0: Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. I'm here with my colleagues, Mr. Phil Jesson, and Mr. Graham Jones, and I am Simon Hazeldean. And this episode of the Sales Chat Show, we are looking at the question, how do I hit my sales target? And before we go into that, I would just like to say we recommend that everybody wants to listen to another saleschatshow, uh, com episode called Should You Scrap Your Sales Target? Where Graham was attempting to convince Phil and I that we shouldn't have sales targets. Very, and very
1: convincing I was too.
0: Very controversial <laughs> you were too. Yeah, it's a very, a very progressive view, I think. Um, <clears throat> but we are working on the assumption that the vast majority of our listeners do have a sales target. So we thought we would give you some thoughts, tips, ideas and strategies for doing exactly that. So I'm going to hand over to Mr. Jessen, to kick us off.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, as we all know, sales is hard work, often quite challenging, but fortunately it is not rocket science. If you think about where the results can come from, how we can achieve our sales target. Back to differ, it is rocket science if you're selling rockets. <laughs> I'm tempted to say cut, but <laughs> I will soldier on. Um, <laughs> If you think about where the result can come from, it can only come from four places. Suspects, companies or individuals that we know nothing about. Prospects, where you could probably put a face to a name because they've been contacted or visited in some way, shape or form. Customers who are buying regularly from us and, of course, key accounts. Maybe that handful of very important relationships often built around the 80-20 principle, 80% of the business coming from. 20% of the customers, blah-de-blah. So, fortunately for us, the result can only come from suspects, prospects, customers, or key accounts. And it's really about working out how much of the sales target is going to come from each of those four boxes backwards. Mm -hmm. Start with the key accounts, because we know most about them. Then look at the customers, because we know most about them. Then the prospects, that we know something about, than the suspects that we know very little about. So I would call that backward planning, looking at how you're going to achieve the target. And after that, there are really only two things that we as salespeople can do about it. It's about the quantity of work that we put in, sheer hard graft, and the quality of it as represented through our conversion rates and such like, and the skills that we have, and making sure that we as salespeople and our listeners today are equipped to deliver the numbers that they're expected to deliver. So, before we plough into our new sales year and after our target, it is that
0: restraining ourselves to step back, have a think, do some analysis, and yeah. put, put, the, put the plan in place. I, I mean,
2: the, the, the way that I look at this is that um, uh, a sales director, for example, probably has a 25 page business plan, uh, and any salesperson uh, maybe should have a one page business plan yes. Yes. with the detail on it showing where is that result going to come from um, and as we all know you know the time spent on preparation and planning is seldom wasted mm-hmm. uh, and it will have a huge impact in where that uh, Uh, Result comes from in the weeks and months that follow.
0: But also your approach is driving, would be driving me to think about how much of my time, for example, do I need to spend on prospecting activity in order to close the gap between what I'm likely to get as kind of a a run rate of business, we might call, or or existing business. And we're looking at what the gap is and the best way to close it. If
2: you backward plan it today, let's imagine that you've got a three-month target, for example, if you backward plan that today, you'll know how many suspect calls you need to make. Mm. If you don't, backward plan it, life will unfold and then two and a half months in, we'll probably realise that we should have been doing a lot more suspect calls than we actually have. Too late, time has run out. And then I think, you know,
0: you're looking on, you can sell new products to new customers, you can sell existing products to new customers, you can sell more of your range to existing customers, so you can think of different ways yeah. in order to, how or how do I get the existing
2: customers yeah. to buy more frequently? If you know where you're going, you're already halfway there. Phrase for the day, there, folks. Thank you. Uh,
0: now, the second, uh, <laughs> the second one uh, uh, for me is uh, Phil saying, you know, we've you've, you've only um, we've only got a certain number of things that we're able to do, and we only have so many hours in the day and so many days in the week to sell. So obviously, we want to be working as productively as possible. So I'm a big advocate of qualifying sales opportunities properly. So before you invest a lot of time and effort qualification is a process of understanding how likely you are to win it now it's not it's not an exact science but Rather than pursuing everything with equal vigour, we prioritise opportunities that we're most likely to win. We we understand where the budget is, we understand who's involved in the decision making process and, and what that process is. We understand the timing from the customer, uh, how soon they need to do something around it. Is there a good fit between our capabilities and cultures and also is there a sense of urgency as in the customer wants to do something with it quite quickly? Because yeah there's no urgency it goes on the back burner and, and it, you can spend a lot of time going round and round yeah so you know having some sort of spreadsheet or something where you can just put your opportunities have some sort of ranking one to three low medium mm. high that will tell you how to prioritize your opportunities and then you fire into number one
2: with as much vigor I think it might also have an impact on uh, pricing so mm. for example you coming back to your point Simon that. How urgent is this for yeah. the uh, prospect? Uh, you know, is there a compelling reason why they need to go ahead? If that need is very high, if it's very urgent, then we can probably charge more mm. than if it's one of those rather casual, well, we might do it and we might not type of situations. At some
0: stage, an understanding in your sales pipeline, therefore, when these opportunities. Potentially likely to manifest themselves. Yep. Now, point three, we, we, we um, make some notes in, in advance of our, of our sessions, and you wanted to talk about suspect selection, Phil. So is that related to to our preceding points here about qualification, or is that something different?
2: I, I think it's um, it, it, it's it's linked to something I often hear when I'm talking to salespeople that have been working for a new company for six months or nine months, and time and time and time again, I hear people saying, well, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have visited half the people that I've been to see. So if you work on the basis that we should be working with quality organisations, and it's our competitors who should be working with the rubbish, what makes a quality customer to go and visit Um, and of course I'll I'll just give you a couple of obvious criteria one might be well is the suspect company within a certain geographical range because we may not want to travel 250 miles but if it's within 30 miles or whatever uh, And another one might of course be well am I going to be able to talk to all of the decision-making process or is half of it in Brussels Mm. which might again delay that sort of situation are they an organization whose trading performance is stable and growing rather than an organization that is on the decline I'm not saying those criteria are right for everybody but what probably does exist is that each of our listeners will have a number of criteria which if they can tick them would accelerate them towards that organization and if they put crosses against them then they just wouldn't go there but also I think there's another criteria which relates to, to your point about um, you know,
1: working out how likely the sale is likely to come across. So there's only one criteria. Are they going to buy from us? And that, That's yeah. it. If they're going to buy from you, then you're not going to be wasting your time. Mm. Whereas if they're unlikely to buy from you, you actually are going to be wasting your time because you're going to be having to try to spend most of your time trying to convince them to do something they don't want to do. So spend your time on sorting out that kind of exactly who's going to buy from you and then focus your time on energies on those people. Mm.
0: I did a seminar, one of the attendees, as a super bright account manager from Hungary, working in the IT industry. <coughs> and his, he worked out <coughs> like, well, yeah. that one of the very powerful things about the IT equipment he was selling was that it, it was capable of operating in quite harsh environments, hot, hot cold, dusty, wet, etc. So, and he was selling like by the cartload into some um, companies in manufacturing. So he then basically went, oh, hello. <laughs> manufacturing environment and he basically had lots of suspects to go for because anybody every business in Hungary needs IT kit where did he start going in where they had a problem and he had a solution yeah. and his success rate was phenomenal mm. and he worked it out and then just and you know just went after that went after that piece of business So yeah. it was a brilliant piece of you know he had thousands and thousands of opportunities to go for potentially yeah. but he worked out his best suspects will be, will
2: be Yeah, I, I think what I'm really saying is that when you think of that little phrase, the Geigo principle, garbage in, garbage mm. out, if you accept business from any old, any old body, don't be surprised if some months later they're not paying their bills yeah. or they go out of business. Maybe the quality of that organisation was wrong from day one. Yeah. So from sales managers and sales directors in particular, listening to this, are they giving their team guidance on, these are the type of organisations to target, these are the type of organisations to leave well alone, Mm. those are the ones that we want our competitors working with, we don't want anything to do with them. Because as my first ever sales manager said to me, a
0: sale isn't a sale till the money's in the bank. So I think part of your suspect selection is the financial health and viability of of the customer. Can they pay the bill? Can they they pay the bill? Which we can check out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving on, uh, kind of the fourth area for me is about managing your pipeline of opportunities proactively as you move move through the year. And so a pipeline, um, uh, I think, is distinct from a forecast. So a forecast is what's going to close within the sales period, whereas a pipeline is longer term. It could be all in any opportunities at whatever stage they are. And I think it's about managing that. Is it clean? Is it it just got opportunities in it that are viable? Because you can sometimes have Numbers of thousands of dollars associated, and and the roll-up looks reasonably reasonably positive. But some of those might need taking out. Is it healthy? As in, they're moving. It's moving. Something's happening to them. If it's sat there for six months, I think you need to have a very very tough look at that one and maybe take it out. And is it sufficient? Is it enough to deliver? So if your close rate is 50% and your pipeline is um, two million, you're probably you're probably going to be okay. But is understanding that and then managing that on a basis. And any sales managers listening, I think should be focusing some coaching time, helping their salespeople manage manage those pipelines. Because mm-hmm. it'll tell you, if you manage it well, it will tell you much earlier than you normally would know that you're gonna have some sort of a problem or that you've got uh you know, you've got something that you need to be doing doing much, much earlier. Sure. And obviously using a good, decent C R M system and, and encouraging the discipline of, of, of that. And I know some salespeople, you know, go, oh C R M is just an admin pain in the backside. It's only what good salespeople have always done. We just now have a piece of technology that helps us to do it, um, far more effectively and also gives us lots of other things that yeah. it, that paper and pencil or Excel spreadsheets didn't didn't or can't or can't do so we are now uh, moving on area five is is I suppose is selling as a team sport yeah player.
1: Well, you see that you've worked out who your your, your good uh, suspects are you've worked out mm-hmm. um, that what they're likely to buy and you're gonna go and see them but actually as a salesperson you might not be the right person to talk in detail with, with The customers that your potential customers that you're aiming at. So, there are other people within your organization who are not necessarily salespeople but are going to be the people you can work with. They may be a technology person, they may be a scientist, they may be a product manager, somebody like that who can actually sit alongside you and talk what the prospect needs to hear from you uh, because you know that the generalities but you don't know the specific detail that they may ask about Mm. and having that person alongside you it actually makes it much more likely that you're going to get that sale You're going to convert that sale because you've got, you're talking their language. Mm. Yeah, good idea.
0: I mean, I've certainly, you know, in the past taken in sort of my logistics manager experts with me to talk. So we have a meeting where logistics talks to the logistics or technical talk to technical. The other person as well, I think, to bring in sometimes is sometimes more senior managers from your own organisation. They can sometimes unlock meetings with higher people than maybe you can sometimes. I certainly certainly coached a key account manager in Germany um, to take his MD in with him uh, because he wanted to get some executive level. And it was an alien concept because the MD was two or three levels above him in the hierarchy. And I said, well, your MD wants this business, doesn't he? Of course he'll come along and help you. And although it was a bit, I think, a bit unnerving for him to begin (laughs) with, he actually went to approach the MD via his boss and the MD said, yeah, when do you want me? Yeah.
2: And
0: that's the great thing to do.
2: I think that's a great idea. I think it requires a bit of a change in attitude yeah. on the part of our salespeople, mm. because sometimes uh, when told that the boss is coming out with them for the day, that can be a little bit of a...
1: They sit they're under review. Under yeah, review, yeah,
2: yeah. why me? Uh, I yeah. better be on my best behavior rather yeah. than normal behavior. But um, we would encourage our listeners to view uh, the boss coming out with them as a, as a resource, mm. uh, to view yeah. the boss as a consultant to their territory etc etc and to make sure they're getting their share of the boss's skills and talents absolutely. on those joint visits absolutely get them get them out with you and um, and help them
0: get them to help you to close close the sale so you talked about the importance of planning uh, Phil so kind of our, our sixth sort of area so we've got our plan in place is that game over then our plans done what's what's nope.
2: um, <laughs> as Winston Churchill once said uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy <laughs> And during the course of the three months, six months, or whatever we're talking about, stuff will happen. So yes, although we are encouraging people to have a plan, uh, they they should take time uh, to park the car, switch the mobile off, have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee, and to review, there is a lovely mnemonic called OPERA. Have you heard of that, Simon? I think you've mentioned this from your military from background. From my military but re- background. Reminds me? I thought it was me? from his musical background. <laughs> You'll know it from your days as a security executive at the music halls, or as Graham and I would call it, bouncer. And uh, opera stands for objective, plan, execute, review, and amend. So yes, we need an objective, we need a plan. We've been executing it for the last three to six months. We need to park the car and review how things are going and be brave enough, bold enough to amend either the objective or the plan or the way that we are executing it. I think, um, if I if I remember correctly, um, uh, one of our
0: speaking colleagues, a lady called Cathy O'Dowd, who I think, if I'm correct, is the first woman in human history to climb Mount Everest from both sides. I think if I remember when Kathy was speaking, said something like, it's very important to have a plan. It's also important to know when your plan has detached itself from reality, <laughs> which I think is an interesting, <laughs> is an interesting, and then you have to, then you have to replan, which is that. But I think it's the reviewing thing that so often overlooks. Yeah, yeah. There's okay. the, we're very busy doing we're not yeah. always sometimes reviewing are we on are we on progress etc it's like having a little GPS or a sat-nav for your territory
2: Did she did she climb Everest both sides because she left her bobble hat on the <laughs> I'm
0: not I'm not sure but uh, that's, a, that, that's a pretty incredible feat I'm sure it took some, <laughs> it took some planning I shall have to ask her uh, on, on, the, on the subject of reviewing I think the, the seventh kind of area is as the year progresses is conducting regular win-loss reviews with customers. As you go for a piece of business, if you win it, always worth asking the customer. Could you please tell me why you've selected us? What it is you liked yeah. about us, or what we did that, that that made you want to buy? And the same thing, if, if you don't win the business, can I ask you why you
2: didn't why you didn't select us? Um, do, do Do you think the customer going to be honest if the salesperson yeah, says I think you, Why didn't you give us the business? I think you have to you
0: have to position it that you really want to learn from the feedback, and you would like to know the genuine, real reason. And if they say price, for example, or something, I would just dig a bit deeper, because sometimes it is just price. Very rarely is it just price. It might be, you know, some of the stuff that's gonna be quite hard to get, it might be about how you personally looked after them. But I think if you frame it in you want to learn, and please can you be absolutely candid, as honest as possible, you maximize your chance of the customer, Mm. of the customer telling you But I think you do have to say, look, you know, I'm I'm a grown up, please, give it give me the feedback as it is or maybe know? get a colleague to do that uh, that's that's also yeah, that's also a way to, we're know, back was, to Graham's point aren't yeah, we yeah, the also team? another also another 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 way another way to do it or or you know if if you were giving us like a trip advisor review mm. what would we, how would we have fared yeah we, two star three star four star okay with three why why only three what yeah, could we have yeah. done what could we have done better because yeah. then you can copy <laughs> and do more of what works yeah. and eradicate eradicate yeah. what 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 doesn't sure. and over time you should you should be able to be raising your success rate by doing the things yeah. um, that are working because sometimes why they selected you is surprising yeah you assume it's because of the mm. quality of your product or something or yeah. the technical superiority and it's not and they may say well yeah we didn't think that was particularly much better than the competition what we really liked was the way you did xyz
2: again we we've, we've said this a few times uh, during this episode that for sales managers and sales directors uh, listening to us today maybe that's a point to include in sales mm, meetings absolutely and to openly encourage members of the team to talk about why they won it or why they lost it. There's some learning in there either way. We don't want people being defensive around Mm -hmm. the table. We need them to be open and honest and share that stuff. And it's about how the culture,
0: I think, that you create of learning around that sort of thing and that, that, you know, we never lose because we learn one way or another. You know, if we lose, that we must learn. Because I think also what we sometimes do when we win in many organisations is we pop the champagne cork we don't know why sometimes yeah. we won and it's really important to kind of yeah. learn refine our approach. Re-
1: reflecting on. <laughs> on whether you win or whether you lose, reflecting on everything you do is a yeah. really important task and a, a lot of businesses miss it out yeah. and it's you learn a great deal from that So sort of sitting back and reflecting on how that sales meeting went, what went well, what didn't go well, yeah. write it down and reflect on what you did each time. Mm. Okay. So the
2: moral of, it, of this story is that if you lose, don't lose the learning.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, always.
0: I can remember sitting in front of a very large company in the UK, uh, we came second, out of five, so better than better than coming fifth out of five, but we came second. And I spent an hour with the chief, uh, the person who was leading the buying decision, very painful hour, yeah. to find out that our proposal was very complicated versus the people they selected. We also won a piece of business in the same month from another large company, and put the two proposals side by side mm. on the desk. And you could see one was very clear, one was a little bit over-engineered and complicated. We confused the customer; yeah. they deselected us. So we just then made all the proposals like yeah. the one that won. So you learn learn from success, learn from failure. So there Can we I just are. Just pick up, At uh,
1: yeah. one point, oh, oh hang because on, he did say right at the beginning that this was not rocket science. And then halfway through, he told us we needed a Geico counter. (laughs) Just, just Just mention it. Just thought I'd mention it. And I was speaking
0: to one of my friends in America who uses the expression "it's not rocket science" quite a lot, and uh, and he said I'm going to have to stop saying that. I said Why is that? And he said. I'm visiting NASA next week. <laughs> Try to get them as a as a as a new client. So, you know, if it is rocket science, it is rocket science. So, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the uh, "How Do I Hit My Sales Target?" episode from the Sales Chat Show. As ever, uh, Mr. Graham Jones, Phil Jesson, and Simon Hazeldean. Wishing you good luck, good selling, and please visit saleschatshow.com. There is a huge library now of valuable free recordings like this one. So particularly, as we said right at the start, next one to listen to probably if you're a sales manager is should you scrap your sales targets. A very lively debate was had by all. So good luck and good selling, folks.